The local police department puts out the dire warning about a fugitive from justice, armed and dangerous. Paul speaks of arming oneself against the evil one. Members of Christ's body are best described as armed and safe. Paul ends his letter to the Ephesians strong with a powerful martial image of a Christian wearing the armor of a Roman legionary. Jesus means to break down Satan's door and steal his stuff. And what is the stuff? He's doing the things of the church, stealing people from Satan. And we wield not destructive weapons, but constructive weapons of forgiveness, love, and peace. But they are weapons which strike fear into the heart of our enemy. Christ has given them to us, and these weapons should be bright and shiny with use. Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. On this 14th Sunday of Pentecost, we are finishing a sermon series on the letter to the Ephesians. The title of the sermon is called Armed and Safe, and it is based on Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's sermon is the last in the sermon series called Ephesians, a letter two and four, the church. And I want to play a little bit with a familiar phrase to describe what we are according to today's text. You know, when a local police department puts out a warning about a fugitive from justice, they might describe that fugitive as armed and dangerous. Well, we are best described by Paul through the Spirit's inspiration as armed and safe. God has given us a, the components of spiritual armor to fend off the attacks of our wicked foe and to empower us, actually, to take the battle to him. Too often we have sat passively by and said, you know, only God can do this. Well, it is true. But in this passage, Paul is equipping people to do something to bring the battle to Satan's kingdom of misery. The whole book of Ephesians is not about the church hunkering down in a spiritual bunker. Just the opposite. Paul sees his legacy as a movement by which Christ is saving more and more and more and more people, eventually uniting all things to himself in Christ. That's how he starts out his letter, Ephesians 1, verse 10. The book of Ephesians is a missional book. Enlisted in this missional movement, we can best be described as armed and safe. You know, upon entering the field of battle, a commander will give his soldiers clear and direct commands. He can't 
And he doesn't give a five-page essay about maneuvering in the field, right? The soldier can't remember all of that. <laughs> the battlefield is a confusing place. And as it has been said, no plan survives contact with the enemy. So I'm only going to give you four phrases to remember based on this text. And because I like alliteration, uh, each phrase starts with the letter S. Are you ready? Let's go. First, Paul calls us armed and safe ones to stand firm. Stand firm. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So right away, Paul is warning us that we have an enemy who is seeking our harm, death, and eternal destruction. Another battlefield dictum is this, know your enemy. If you know your enemy's strategy, his tactics, then you know how to better defend against that. So here is at least a threefold strategy of our enemy, the devil, according to our text. First of all, verse 11, he uses schemes. That, that would be lies, false doctrine, to blind, confuse, and deceive us. Secondly, he uses the forces of this world over which we have little or no control to dominate and persecute us. Paul calls this in verse 13, the evil day. And then third, he fires fiery darts, that would be temptations, to tempt us. He wants to intimidate us, make us afraid, verse 16. So the devil is a strong and wily foe. Those, that's his strategy. But Christ is stronger than our foe. Raised from the dead, he is seated in the heavenly realms. And having united himself with us in baptism... He has seated us there as well. In so doing, he has broken Satan's power eternally. We are no longer required to obey the evil one's demands. And Paul enjoins us to be strong in the Lord. The strength is not our strength. It's not a strength we find in ourselves or of ourselves. The strength is in Jesus, not us. We, when we think that this is our strength, then we will succumb to human pride. We are strong only, as Paul says, in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not ours. We battle against spiritual forces, but that battle is enjoined in the very relationships in which we find ourselves. Remember the whole point of last week? And if you just look at the uh, immediate text right before chapter 6 and verse 10, 
we see those relationships that Paul was talking about. You know, we talked about last week the relationships in marriage and family and work. So it is the cranky boss. It's the troublesome neighbor. It's the tense marriage that we encounter these devices of the enemy. The flaming darts of our foe often look like the very people that we love. And our battle is not really against the things of flesh and blood, which seem to perplex us, but it is against a whole assemblage of spiritual realities which hate the very idea of our faith and God's love within us. So the only way that we can stand firm is to do the next thing. Next, we are told to suit up. Suit up. Therefore, verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God. We are to take up and wear the armor which God has provided and wield the weapons which he has placed in our hands. We have a belt of truth and a breastplate of righteousness. So belts hold your armor together. And without truth, this whole thing falls apart. Righteousness, I've got a, I got a uh, breastplate here. Okay, and probably the sign wouldn't be a dragon. It would probably be a lion and uh, a lamb, <laughs> right? Hey, I, and I got this from the preschool. We start, we start pretty young here, uh, arming our, our children and our people, okay? So, the, but think of this, you know, the, the breastplate does what? It, it guards our vital organs, our life itself, the gospel, so that's, and that's righteousness, Christ's righteousness. The gospel of, of peace is our footwear. You already have seen um, when I showed uh, the sandals, the footwear that I'm wearing. But the, what is it the, about the footwear? Well, the footwear makes us ready, ready to run toward our foe because we know that there is no enemy which is bigger than Jesus' sacrifice. And my enemy thinks of himself as my enemy. But the gospel of peace sees him differently. He's not my enemy, but a person for whom Christ or Jesus died. And I will readily run forward to engage him or them, him or her, in witness and in reconciliation with forgiveness. Or the enemy is Satan himself, and he is driven away by God's word of rebuke. Either way, I cannot really lose. Faith is our shield. It quenches the flaming arrows designed to torment and distract us. They, these are the temptations with which the devil would distract us from Jesus. Faith is that relationship with God which saves us, and the devil would distract us from God's benevolent gaze. Which, but faith shields us from that. It's the very act of looking at God and seeing our Savior. Then salvation, I've got a helmet here. Okay, again from the armory of the preschool. (laughs) 
You know, seriously, we, we do teach them about God's word. We teach them to pray. So they start young here. So salvation guards our minds, our heads. Encased in salvation, we are safe. And you can, you can see that all of these, and then we can, you can also see the, through its opening here, the world around us, you know, through Christ's eyes, uh, the way Christ would look at the world. He died for this world. Encased in salvation, we are safe. As you can see, all these parts of the armor keep us safe. So, and all of these things I've talked about so far are defensive or protective. God's truth, righteousness, faith, peace, salvation, keep us safe. The safe of the armed and safe ones. But we're also armed. We wield a weapon, God's word, his spirit, so that with prayer and supplication, we engage our enemy, not with weapons of our mind, or our physical strength, but with God himself energizing our limbs and our lips. He is the edge which separates the flesh and the bone, which brings about the victory. So, stand, we stand firm by suiting up in the full armor of God, and then we remember to form a shield wall. A shield wall. Paul uses the metaphor of armor, so familiar to uh, a Roman, as a dramatic and a powerful picture of, for the church, the armed and safe ones. Much can be said about each aspect of the, of the um, metaphor of armor, so I'll just focus on one from that list I just gave, the shield of faith. So as the Romans, as the Roman army used shields, They were not only for the protection of the person holding the shield, but they also protected the weapon arm of the man who stood to your left in the line as it advanced on the enemy. The army formed a shield wall, and you then depended as well on the shield held by the fellow on your right as you poked a spear or a sword through the gap in those shields at your enemy. Shields had a communal function. Paul says that faith saves us and gives us confidence. And earlier in Ephesians, you know, which makes sense, he also speaks about the unity of faith. We are united in one faith. We form the shield wall of faith together. And we are together, stronger and better equipped by our shared faith. The confessing the creed every week interlocks our shields together and gives us better protection, much better protection than a faith which is held alone. When we worship together, it might not seem like we're doing anything, but we are. We are encouraging one another, giving confidence, and building that unity. And when we worship together, we shout, shield wall. And one of the enemy's terrible weapons is division. Unable to understand anything but a self-centered point of view, Satan stokes the flames of hatred and bitterness and enmity. And he reminds us of the memories of past hurts and enslaves us to a, a vicious economy of getting even or vengeance and 
grudge-bearing, but standing firm by suiting up with the whole armor of God and by forming that shield wall of faith together enables us to lead a very different life from what we had available to us when we walked in darkness. We can love and serve and forgive and sacrifice for one another. We can do this with gentleness, speaking the truth in love and forbearing with others with a Christ-like patience. And finally, the church is called to, here's the next uh, phrase, storm the gates, storm the gates. We're not only equipped for defending ourselves, we are also soldiers in an army which God has deployed against a foe. Consider what Jesus says about the church in Matthew 16. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." This familiar passage is frequently uh, understood. I grew up uh, thinking that the gates of hell were attacking us. The image Jesus is going for is that we are storming the very gates of hell, breaking them down, releasing its captives. And how do we do that? Well, again, look at verse 19 of Matthew 16, and you get it. We forgive people. Hell cannot stand in the face of that onslaught. We forgive people. Lead out the captives of hellish sin and death when we forgive. And are you struggling with forgiving another person? Well, welcome to the human race. (laughs) The Holy Spirit, though, helps us with this, with forgiving one another. And Jesus gives us another hint of what he has in mind in Mark 3, and in parallels there he says, verse 26, And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. What's this saying? Well, Jesus means to break down Satan's door and steal his treasures. He is forcing his way in, tying up the strong man, Satan, and taking his stuff. And what is that stuff? Well, if you look at what Jesus is doing in this chapter, chapter three of Mark three, uh, he is healing, he's forgiving, and he's teaching. He's doing the things of the church, stealing people from Satan. Stirring stuff indeed. But? But what? But what holds you back? What holds us back? Pessimism? Uh, Your sense of unworthiness? Do we simply fail to show up for battle? Uh, Unable to rise from our cot in the barracks and don our armor because we are just too demoralized by our own sense of unworthiness? Uh, Our weakness? or the power of those spiritual forces arrayed against us? Or, 
Or do we once again with boldness stand firm by suiting up in the full armor of God, forming the shield wall of faith together and following Jesus as he storms, as he storms the gates against that ancient and evil foe. We are armed and safe. And we remember that we will not destructive weapons, but constructive weapons of forgiveness, love, and peace. But they are weapons which strike fear into the heart of our enemy. Christ has given them to us. And these weapons should be bright and shining with use. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.